a lot of people don't even know how to access the particular emotions that they're feeling. A lot of people have a lot of shame. I mean, there's just this like this way that I think we've been cultured generally where most people, a lot of people don't even know what their desire is. Welcome everybody to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Preble Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Hello. Yeah, welcome everybody to this episode of Developing a Relationship with Self First. Yeah, it all starts there. We all know it, but sometimes we just don't know what to do. What is a relationship with ourself? I have a conversation with a returning guest, relationship coach, Kathy Courtney. Yeah, I love him. My conversations with Kathy Some of you might have remembered some past podcasts like Control Issues or Difficult Conversations. Uh, Let's see. Oh, we did Falling in Love. Yeah. When you're on drugs, you know, that's what people are. A lot of chemicals running through them. We also did a podcast on couples communication techniques. So we talked about many things around what do we do to have a relationship with ourselves when we know that we are in our bodies, that we're ourselves, that we can bring into a relationship instead of searching for in the relationship or getting really lost in the relationship because we don't have this relationship with ourselves while we are connecting and in relationship. So it's real good to learn it. And if you didn't do it, we also talk about how to do it within a relationship. That you got to know your own feelings and emotions and triggers so you're not blaming it and looking at your partner, that they're the cause, etc., etc. You can find more about Kathy and her work at her website, kathycourtney.com. I will have a link in the show notes also. And little side notes, please go to my website, prepo.com, and sign up for my newsletter. You'll get some relationship tools and tips that I'll send out, letting you know more about what's coming on with my work and some mentoring and coaching groups that I'll be starting in the fall. And don't worry, I won't be sending you a shitload of newsletters and emails. And please support the podcast by sharing it sending it out people that you feel will benefit it i love that it's getting out to more and more people touching them and helping them better their relationships it absolutely warms my heart knowing that and if you also want to support the podcast financially to keep this coming to you in the professional manner that we do it the good sound and everything you can go to my website prepo.com hit the podcast page and you can leave a one-time donation or a reoccurring donation. It's really appreciated. Thank you. 
those of you that have donated over the years. I hope that you all are enjoying your summer, having wonderful connections with each other, touching and holding and hug around in each other. Yeah, just love being as joyful and loving as we can. I wish that for you. Okay, here we go with my conversations with Kathy Courtney. Okay, everybody. Developing relationship self first. Let's talk about it. Hey, Kathy. <laughs> welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Thank you, Prepo. Yeah. It's good to be back in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The last couple ones that we did were not in person. Mm-mm. So it's good. And we're going to have some din-din after that, too, Yay! and catch up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So thanks for saying yes again. I love having you on, and people love hearing what you have to say in your beautiful voice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So you um, you suggested this topic, and I'm just curious, like, why did you uh, suggest this topic? Well, the a number of things. I always find that the themes that are arising in my practice are often themes I'm working with at the same time. Do you ever find that? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I do sometimes when I'm searching for a theme, I'm like, what just happened in, in, in my life and my work in the last week? Yeah. So um, what I'm noticing both with myself, even though I I see myself as somebody that has a high level of self-awareness and I spend time on my own and I meditate and I do practices that bring me inward. It's still very slippery for me to take care of myself or to have to continue to stay in relationship with myself in the midst of being a mom, in a relationship, in a practice, in teaching group work and just navigating life. And um, I also have seen in a lot of my clients that a lot of their hardships or challenges that they're currently having in relationship are kind of similar in that they lose themselves. They don't even really know so much what they actually want. They're very caught in these relational dynamics and very much enmeshed with their partners and not feeling good. You know, there's there's dissonance, disharmony, there's not like a real sense of juiciness and aliveness in their relationships. Um, and they don't have that with themselves either and are looking to find something different, but they don't really even quite know how to get there. And when I start to work with them, it seems so obvious to me that the first step is to really bring them back to themselves. And I see pretty quick transformations or changes that happen when when I do that. And I notice for myself too, like when I put the focus back on me and like for instance, I mean, I don't want to get into this too much, but I recently, unfortunately, um, came to the end of my last partnership. And very quickly noticed this long standing pattern of mine to very subtly over time 
give over parts of myself for the sake of the relationship and then end up being a little bit far away from myself and not in my flow, not in my bright light, not shining in the world as I imagine myself to shine. And very quickly, the, the, the changes that are happening in my life based on coming back to myself more, it's pretty astounding how quickly things are transforming. What have you noticed most about coming back to yourself of how things have shifted? I've been far more open to my own internal inspiration and acting on it. Um, because you don't have to really consider somebody else's effect. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's a tricky thing because you always do have to consider somebody else's effect. I, I live in a, a system, in a family. And one of the things that I'm cultivating more in myself is a sense of temperance. So, you know, there's my desire, there's my, my human desire, there's the whole family unit and the environment I'm in, there's my spiritual connection. So there's a lot of different things to take in when we make a decision. But at the base of that, I, I felt I was kind of closing myself off in an unconscious way to a lot of things I wouldn't even consider. So very quickly that changed and a lot of different things have been coming into my experience based on that, which feel very exciting and energizing and um, more in the flow. And what are your thoughts about how to then, because I'm, I'm imagining the kind of person that you are, that you're gonna be in relationship again so um, what do you imagine that will be different the mm. next time with the taste mm -hmm. of, of this mm -hmm. more with yourself? Well, it's funny because now at this stage in my life, having been through <laughs> a few cycles of this, it's funny. It's hard to say or explain exactly what this is, but I have a different sense in my whole body right now where it feels like it's not even a choice to do that anymore. So yes, I probably will be in another relationship at some point in the future or maybe even, you know, um, back with this the person I've been with. Who knows? I, I've let go of trying to control any of that. But what I do know is I have a very clear commitment inside of me to, I don't actually want to be in relationship unless that is like my forward requirement right from the get-go. My explicit requirement, requirement is this is who I am. These are the things that really matter to me and they're non-negotiable. Mm. Instead of you know, just kind of falling into something and then the first the first challenge comes up and then, you know, I don't know. It's just there's something about really holding that as this is my truth. It's uncompromisable. There are other things that are worth compromising. But when it comes to, you know, my purpose in life, my core essence, like what I'm here for, those things in, in my world now are uncompromisable. And so what are some of the things and the practices that you are doing that you know aren't going to be negotiable in a, in a relationship? What are the things that you know that bring you back to yourself? Because mm -hmm. one of the things that we've discussed, of course, is, is whether we're um, in our own individuation in our life or we're in relationship, 
if we're not taking care of ourselves, for one thing, we're not gonna be bringing ourselves into the relationship. So the things that bring us back to ourselves or even to discover more of who we are, if we don't practice that, discover it, continue to practice that, then we're not really bringing our true self into a relationship. So what are some of the things that you're doing that you find that will be a a non-compromising practice? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. They're not that different than what I was actually doing. It's more where I take... It's more where I take the inspirations that come up in those practices, but the things that I'm doing that I'm consistent with and committed to that have really helped me um, is my morning meditation practice is one. Um, And then also doing a movement, like a movement practice after meditation practice, connecting with nature and moving in nature. Another thing I've recently been working on more diligently is looking at my core beliefs and using whatever I can to help move beyond those. And I've joined, I get kind of esoteric. I've, I've found this uh, coherence healing group, which is international, and he works with uh, frequencies in all throughout the body to raise your um to raise your vibration, essentially, to raise the frequencies and to let go of of the um, beliefs that are just simply not true anymore. So it's it's working on my mind, my body, and my spirit very diligently um, because I'm at a place where I'm I feel so committed to really be in full expression of myself. I turned fifty this year. Yeah. Congratulations. It feels significant, you know, mm-hmm. and there's no time to mess around anymore, Prepo. I think that's that's a little bit of it, isn't it? It's like mm-hmm. knowing that there's not time to really mess around, to to really be fully who you are and yes. not to make excuses for that in any way. Yes. And sure, we have to compromise and negotiate in a relationship, but there's things that I don't believe that we should because we know how good it is for us and therefore that we need to show up in us, in a relationship. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The other thing for me that's been really important, I'm blessed to have a very strong core council of women friends. And so I find that so helpful just to have, you know, my friends sort of eyes on me sometimes so that we, and we do this mutually for each other. So I share what I'm thinking or what's going on for me. And I know I can count on these women to to really call me out in the most loving way or just share what they're seeing and they're very trusting. So I think that's also a very important part in staying connected with yourself is having a really uh, trusted group of, a small trusted group of friends that, um, you know, are holding you accountable to that. And it's easy to let that slip away when we're in a relationship too. Exactly. You know, that we spend less time with that group and also less time asking to be accountable because we're spending so much of that in the relationship or getting it from the relationship. Yes. Mm. Yes. And what I've been hearing a lot is, you know, there's these things that people, when they when they connect with themselves things that bring them joy or pleasure or ways that they feel that they they can express 
themselves in the world that they just don't even attend to. Hmm. Um, like for instance, I um, have a client that knows that they love to go and be quiet in nature, but never takes the time to do that. So literally we went for a walk in nature and did a whole walking meditation in the woods just to initiate that process. Because it's those things that we so easily give up on when we are, you know, wrapped up in the we space. But having a sense of sovereignty and autonomy within a relationship, I think, is is essential to the the long-term sustainability of a, a healthy connection. Yeah. What was just coming up for me is recently, as the weather got warmer, I'm walking from my house to the Earth Haven Farm, which is probably in a round trip. It's like a 40-minute um, walk. And I'm doing it pretty much first thing in the morning between eight and nine for me. And that movement walking through the forest and the ideas and the inspiration and the sense of feeling myself is uh, uh, is food. And I haven't done that for a while. And I can feel a sense where in the morning, my wife loves to go outside and have her breakfast outside. And it's about the same time that I'm doing my walk. So there's this pull of like, do I want to be with her at breakfast or do I really need to do my walk? And she's not asking me to choose. Um, and I kind of know, you know what, I'll come back and maybe she'll sit down after a breakfast with me, or maybe I'll just sit down by myself in, in the garden. And that's a, that's a, like a non-compromising aspect right now for myself. And she's totally encouraged me to do that, but I'm allowing that for myself because I know how I then show up in my day with, with my clients and how I'm showing up more with her was, was starting that. So taking care of myself in that way is a we thing um, that I'm not compromising um, the benefit that I'm getting for myself too, which yeah. is wonderful to actually name that and not feel like I'm taking something away from the relationship. Yeah, for sure. I know it, it is actually in service to the, the we space, like you just said. Um, I think, you know, also for me in, in my partner's, that I've had in the past, it's it's attractive. It's it has me lean in more when my partner has their own thing going on and has that sense of no, this is important to me. This is what I love to do. Um, you know, whether it's like a movement practice of tai chi or like going to yoga class or getting together with my guy friends or, you know, even though in the moment it could feel like a sacrifice or a like being left out or something, it's really important for those sorts of things to be fed in each of us in order to to be able to give fully when we're together. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing for me that I'm noticing is um, a lot of people that I work with, they don't really even have a sense of themselves. Like they don't even know that their experience, like they're having an experience in their, in their body and that they can even connect with what that is. A lot of people don't even know how to access the particular emotions that they're feeling. A lot of people have a lot of shame. I mean, there's just this, like this way that I think we've been cultured generally where 
most people, a lot of people, don't even know what their desire is. They don't even know. I don't understand how we get there. I mean, some of it comes from, you know, being in codependent situations with parents, actually, mm -hmm. um, and then just continuing that through, you know, in intimate relationships to the point where there is just no attention on self and it's all on other. Um, and that's, you know, that, that takes a lot of work to bring somebody back to self. And it's, it's quite amazing to see the levels of disregard for self. And then when you start to bring people back to themselves, you have to kind of support. And, and I have this for myself too, like the, the places where I feel myself codependent. When I'm not engaging in those activities anymore, then I have to sit with the discomfort inside of me that I was avoiding in the first place. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that avoiding of whatever feeling or even being able to look of who's home. Yes. You know, the, the one thing that's coming up for me lately is I'm really trying to understand what is humility to me? You know, what is what is being humble in a way that's strength and not um, kowtowing and not making excuses, but humbleness. And so it's been an interesting thing of trying to explore it for me and mm -hmm. not, you know, I'm not asking other people what's humbleness in you or how does it come out? It's like my own thing that I've been really pursuing, I would say in the last couple of years of really trying to understand that in depth and a whole nother level of my understanding about myself is coming into play. But what's interesting is I'm not really sharing it as much. Like it's for me, like mm -hmm. the, the exploration of humbleness is is for me. I think I'm going to share it in some podcasts when I get when yeah. I get maybe a little more comfortable in some ways of it. But yeah. it's so nice to just have the experience and taste it for me. Yeah, and I feel so curious. Like I have some questions arising, and I wondered if I could ask a couple questions, and then you yeah. don't, you don't can only share what you want to share. Hmm. My first question that came up around that was wh what was the the thing that inspired you to start inquiring about humility and, and being humble. Like, yeah. What led you to that? Well, I think it's it's been this slow progression around it. Um, one is doing this work and seeing, you know, people's pain and their suffering and and the challenges of uh, being being a healthy human being. And so there's yeah, I feel some humbleness around around being inspired by people's effort and not thinking how it should be or what they should do. So I have some humbleness just around people's external processes separate from mine. I think in the last couple of years with uh, the pandemic and how people reacted to it and how I reacted to it in certain ways brought a lot of humbleness of shit. I don't want I don't know what's right. This is my own opinion, yeah. but I want my opinion. I want my aspect of um, my own relationship to it. So I want to feel humble in a way of there's no aspects of right and wrong in some way, but also I want to be humble in the way that I have a certain experience and a certain outlook of 
um, how people reacted and what the world's like. So I think that there's this, and even trying to communicate with people, and I've missed some communication with people, there's a humbleness in that. Like, wow, I thought we were closer. I thought we were, um, had, were on the same wavelength of freedom and autonomy and so forth, but I'm finding that we're not. There's a humbleness in letting somebody else have their, have their experience. Mm. So I think a little bit of um, more questioning, like, I don't know, mm. maybe it's, it's not right for somebody else, but, mm -hmm. and, and the humbleness of maybe it's not totally right for me, but it feels right right now in this moment. Yeah. So there's a more openness, I think, around all of it. I like that. Yeah, so the word that keeps popping up for me is self-righteous. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's like the opposite in a sense of this self-righteousness, like some like I'm sitting in the seat of knowing and I know better than and I I really resonate with that feeling of like I don't know what's right here. Like there's there's almost a I can there's a position of I have this information and this is one way that I'm seeing it, but I'm becoming more and more aware that there's like so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And this is just in our human life, but there's, in my opinion, there's other dimensions, there's other things at play, there's a lot of mystery here. You know, I don't know what's best for you. I don't know what's best for that person or the right thing to do. Yeah. But you're right. It's like, I can only know for myself what feels right. Yeah. You know, what's also coming to me around that was uh, maybe six months ago, there was three deaths around my life at that time. My mother-in-law, um, uh, a next door neighbor, and uh, um, another neighbor. And there was some real humbleness that comes with death, you know, especially in the confusion of like, no, 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 this shouldn't have happened or how how could this happen? Or there's some humbleness around other people's death, but especially mine, you know, that part of that's going to be me one day. And so there was a feeling of really understanding how I walk in the world with more of that knowing that any moment um, I could I could leave this this world. So that brought that brought me a little more humble that I'm not, um, uh, what's the word? You know, uh, indispensable, invincible, you know? invincible, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, um, and also focusing on some things health wise and sh trying to shift that. And there's a humbleness just even around that realization. Yeah. And. Um, the other thing that it seems like it brought up for you, you mentioned the word openness. So I want to hear more about that. Yeah, I think the openness is around some of the things that I thought were really set. Some of the things that I can really count on, either certain belief systems or certain way that people would respond, um, has flipped and changed in that way. So for me, there's an openness around that, yeah, things aren't, are, are going to change. Things don't have to be exactly the way that I think that they should be. Mm -hmm. Can I be more open to all of life? Can I really take in all of life and not 
um, pigeonhole it where it gets kind of boring in some way. Because if I know the way that everything should be, then how am I allowing in the mystery of life? So there's an openness more to curiosity and interest than conclusion. And I really want more of that in my life. I mm. really want more openness of curiosity and interest than conclusion. What does that bring for you? Freedom. Um, that just came up for me. It brings a lot of freedom. It brings a sense of I don't have to figure everything out. I can experience it instead of figuring it out. Um, it also brings out um, more, I don't want to say the word forgiveness, but as as Rainbow would say, because of my Scorpio moon, I hold grudges or I hold things. So I don't want to hold on to things as much. So that openness kind of like, hmm, all right, maybe it's not this way. Hmm, mm -hmm. All right, maybe it could be this way. Mm -hmm. There's, um, I feel more capacity for my response and openness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's more allowance for what is, it sounds like. Yes. And everything you're saying, I mean, in a way, it's touching back to what we were talking about before we started recording, which I won't get into, but it sounds like everything you're saying, I wish that we could all find that, like everybody could w work towards more of that openness because we've become so rigid. Mm. There is such an energy of rigidness around people's beliefs or how, how they see things or you know, st holding tight to something that they want to hold on to. And it's just, there's no, there's no relating there no. at all. There's no freedom there. You use yeah. the word freedom. I love that. But how can I actually be in my experience and be in my sovereign, you know, like this is me, this is, this is my experience. I don't need to, you know, change it to be with you, but I can be there and you can be in yours, but we can still be connected even when they're, when it's different. Yeah. Even when, when it's different, we can still be open to the places that we're connected. And it feels like we've lost that capacity in society. I yeah. see it coming back more and more. I'm really enjoying some spaces where people are really putting effort into into bringing people together more and having more conversation around the gray, yeah. you know? But it, it reminds me too, even in, so going back to kind of the subject we were talking about, if I have enough sense of myself and a connection with myself, then I can be, feel safe and feel okay for you to have your experience. Exactly. And so, but if I don't, if I don't have a sense of myself and I'm completely relying on you or other external factors. For, you're relying on me for like validating you. Validating or like for, you know, I've given you my, like your, your power, yeah. my power, or I'm, yeah, I'm looking for um, you to, to lead me in different things or, you know, you, you name it. There's like a whole list that I, I can't think of all of them right now. But um if I don't have, yeah, if I don't have a sense of myself, I'm going to look to you for it. And then if you've become my source of power in a sense, I'm so reliant on you. Of course, I'm going to look at you and get upset when it's not working out for me. That's right. Yeah. And that happens all the time. All the time. Rainbow and I just recorded a podcast that 
uh, people will hear so and is, can we agree to disagree? And to me, that's a big one. When I can allow that experience in my relationship with her to agree to disagree, the way it is for me to feel that I don't want validation from her. I don't need her to tell me that I'm right. I don't need for her to tell me my ideas are great. I need to do that to myself. And I can still allow space for her to have her experience. So I think you're right on in saying that when I'm able to have that sense of myself, I can really be open to the gray areas, to agree to disagree, as long as the important part for me is that we stay in connection through that. That it's not like, okay, we agree to disagree. Fuck you, you go on your way, I'll go on my way. It's like, no, let's still be in relationship and let's still be close with the differences. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially if somebody has a real sense of themselves that they're not trying to convince me of their experience, realities, opinions, and so forth, that we both can hold that, but respect each other in such a high regard as human beings with great ideas and great convictions. Yeah. Definitely. God, I had something really good come up and then I lost it because mm. <laughs> I was really enjoying what you were saying. Oh, I think it was about um, uh, the sense of porousness. So one of the things we teach in circling, one of the agreements to the practice is about listening. And I'll often say to people, you know, we have this uh, we make meaning and we put people in boxes and we, you know, have ideas of who you are. And even if you've been in relationship a long time, you know, you have this idea of who Prepo is or you know, like who your partner is. But to actually really listen in a way that even if you have differences, that I could even consider what you're saying, let it in, you know, be porous and let your perspective in and run it through my filters and actually consider or be willing to be changed by the listening of you. So even if you, you know, just going back to the disagreements, you know, I may have an opinion or an idea or a particular way I'm seeing something and you may be seeing it really differently, but can I for a minute take on how you may see it and see it through your eyes, like have the willingness to what we that what they call taking second position, and like really consider it through your eyes and your and in your shoes, and then I can decide, yeah, okay, that part's not true for me. This part is. I get what you're saying there, but yeah, I still feel this. But a lot of the times, as soon as we hear differences, we just shut down. Mm-hmm. We shut down our listening. We shut down our like openness. And, and then it just becomes, you know, like it's not really much of an exchange. That's right. It's more of just two people talking at each other. So all of these things are like high-level skill things that all begin with creating a good relationship to yourself. That you can feel safe enough and feel secure enough in yourself and know what's happening for you. And, and still be open enough to somebody else and the information or, you know, their experience and what they're sharing. I keep, yeah. Yeah, and what came to me when you said that, and be open enough to take accountability and responsibility. When I know I'm in really uh, a sense of myself, I'm able to take accountability of my actions or my thoughts if it didn't serve, 
if I if I'm if I don't have that sense of myself, I'm going to feel too much shame around that, and I'm going to make excuses around my actions or my behavior or my words. Yeah. So I know for me, when I have a stronger sense of myself, I can show up more in the relationship of ownership, mm-hmm. of really owning where I'm showing up and where I'm not showing up, or where I've maybe um, affected you in some way that I can take that ownership if mm-hmm. I have that sense of myself, mm-hmm. especially around compassion, because you and I were having that discussion. So many people don't know what self-compassion is. Mm-hmm. I, I had somebody ask me recently, mm-hmm. people have no idea how to be self-compassionate to myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one key to the building of the self is because I can't expect you to have that compassion for me. It's great. You know, I know that, that um, you've been studying and, and I love Ter- Terry Real, you yeah. know, and his book, Us. And there's a whole thing about um, it is important in a relationship to be able to support in some way, to be able to take care of the other person in, in relationship. But we can't do that unless we have a sense of our, our own self to be able to understand what that means. I can't have compassion for somebody else if I don't have self-compassion for myself. Yeah. So I'm curious for you, like what, what do you do and what does self-compassion mean to you? Mm. Yeah, like me personally or how I, how I view it in the work I do or did you have a particular or, or either one? Uh, well, or what e- are you most yeah, interested either one, in? but I'm, I'm first interested in, in you. What's, what's, how are you self-compassionate to yourself or do you have a self-compassionate practice? Yeah, I do. Cause I, I have been historically pretty harsh on myself. I've got a pretty harsh inner voice and Actually, through Terry Real, he gives the example of a in a psychological boundary, where you literally say to the the harsh voice, "I'm not accepting a harsh voice anymore." And I I literally took this on when, yeah, when and you I put heard your that hand up when you said that, just yep. like he does, right? I am yeah. not going to hear that. Like, what are you needing me to hear? And then I I literally put my hand on my heart, and I send love to myself, and. So that's one of the things I do. I also tend to, um, like the practices that I do, a lot of it is about self-love. Like sometimes I even um, will journal to get to like, oh, what's really happening here? You know, and then I send myself like love and compassion and understanding. Oh, of course, this is what was going on when that happened, you know. But the first impulse when something goes off or I don't like how I've showed up or there's an insecurity about something, then I can definitely get a harsh voice. So it's a matter of catching it and working with it. So that's one thing that I do particularly, like I've got pretty good at that. So catching it is so important so it doesn't get legs and really ferment. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And then I do some other practices like mm, like looking at my beliefs, really, you know, like one would be I'm not good enough, let's say, and understanding where that came from and really looking at, is that really true? And when I really do the inquiry, I see it's not true. So working with like really... uh, 
substituting that belief with I'm enough, you know, and, and different things like that. Mm. But I often will just put my hand on my heart and, and uh, send myself love. And that does a lot for me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I need to do more of that. Yeah. It is. It's really good. Or breath work, like, like, a. You know, at the beginning of my meditation, or sometimes when I'm just lying down, putting a hand on my heart, putting a hand on my belly, dropping into my heart, feeling the energy of love and kindness, sending it towards myself, and then sending it outward. So I do lots of those different mm, things. That's wonderful. Yeah, I'm in. I'm actually in a pretty thick practice of self-compassion <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, but but I find with others. When I start working with them and they have a lot of rejection of their parts and then when we start to, you know, we put on our investigator hats, you know, we start to look at, well, huh, well, of course you feel that way. Of course you're doing that. Look at your family system. Mm. Look how you were, you know, a caretaker for your mother and and didn't get to have a childhood and and now you don't even know what you want. Well, of course that's the case. And so most people don't even actually, they haven't made that connection. So when you help them to make that kind of connection and you were a child, like you did the best you could. This is a coping strategy. You know, this has been an adaptation to your, to your very difficult childhood and the way your needs weren't getting met. Like, ouch. Mm-hmm. So to get them to that point of seeing that and then the self-compassion comes in, yeah, um, it feels like a, a really important turning point on people's journeys. So I think it's extremely important. Yeah. What did you tell the person that didn't know what compassion was? How did you describe it? Well, actually, I, I, I described it. The technique I gave him was, was putting the hand on the chest and the hand on the stomach. And one reason for that to me is a compassionate act is something that's really kind to yourself in a way that also makes your body feel comfortable. Mm. Like there is times where I used to sit in the areas that I wasn't comfortable, but I didn't make myself comfortable. I wouldn't even get a freaking pillow <laughs> and put it behind me to make myself a little more comfortable. And my wife is a great inspiration for me with that. She's always making herself comfortable. And it used to irritate me instead of inspire me. Now it inspires me. Mm. So for me, it's around self-soothing the body. And that's one way to have a compassion towards ourself is to relieve a little bit of my discomfort or my suffering. Mm -hmm. What can I do that relieves some of my suffering? And I think that that's a compassionate act because... Even though there's a physical act of that, like I say, I have a lot of compassion for people around the world, uh, on the other side of the world that that don't have uh, clean drinking water. But my ass is not on an airplane going out there digging a well for them. But I can still hope that they relieve the suffering. I can hope that their suffering gets relieved. So I play with that, whether it's physically with myself or even a thought of what, wanting the suffering to be relieved. One thing that came up for me that, that I, I do want to bring up that I do with my self-compassion tool is sometimes I talk to myself like I would talk to my son because I feel like I'm really compassionate to him. And if I can be compassionate with him, why can't I show up 
that way to myself. Like if I, when he fucks up on something, I'm compassionate to him. I'm present and compassionate to him and telling him about his strengths and so forth. So I interchange myself. Sometimes I even bring a chair and talk to myself as I was a loving father. And I did have a loving father, so it's easy for me to also do that. Mm. But I need to do more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. whenever I do that, I call up one of my daughters in my mind's eye and the same thing. Think about like, well, how would I, would I really talk to her like this? <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. Or anybody else in my life for that matter. Um, So really actively, and it's a, as far as I can tell, it's something that doesn't stop. Like, I think I'm more compassionate with myself now, more naturally, definitely than when I was in my twenties, let's say, Mm -hmm. but I have to stay on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I have to stay on top of that compassion and keep, keep bringing up that energy of compassion for myself for others. And um, I think that that's a really great practice for people. We need it so much right now in the world. Exactly. And even a compassionate thing is, I told this person, uh, being able to really say no without guilt Mm -hmm. and without shame. Mm -hmm. Um, Still have feelings behind that somebody might be disappointed or that I know when sometimes when I say no, I say a part of me really wants to be able to say yes to, but that's such a self-compassionate thing to me when I say no mm-hmm. to some things. Because mm-hmm. if I don't really want it to do it, it's not a yes. That's mm-hmm. not good for my system at all. Not at all. And actually it's making me think about Brene Brown and her research found that the people with the highest levels of compassion, the correlation was that they had the most clear boundaries. Mm. Yeah. That's so true. So So, true. So good boundaries is a very self-compassionate act. Yes. And if I have a clear boundary, then I can be compassionate with you because I'm not, I've been clear and I, I'm available when I say I'm available. Like it doesn't get sticky. It's not like, you know, if I don't say, if I don't say no, but then I'm still there with you and it's, I'm not really like I've got a little resentment or I'm not a real yes um, that's not going to allow me to demonstrate a lot of compassion towards you. Right. So if I'm clear in the ways I can be available to you, I can give you the most amount of compassion. And it's not peppered in with other, you know, other emotions. Right. You know, that that is something about boundaries because a lot of people, when they're in relationship, they're boundaryless. Yeah. And they have to, when they're out of relationship, they start to really understand what boundaries are and learn it. And then when they get back in, they have to um, make those boundaries a little more understanding and solidified and it's more of a challenge. But I think that's a great way that to, to go back to what this is around our, our sense of self. How do you have a sense of self if you don't have boundaries? Yeah. Then you don't really know where you end and the other person begins. Yeah. I mean, our yeah. skin is like the perfect boundary to to first look at, like literally, feel your skin, where your skin ends and where the air begins. You know, that's just like one one place, right? Um, but we have all these natural boundaries in place mm-hmm. in our body. I don't know why that came up for me, but boundaries are a natural part of our being. <laughs> mm-hmm. Every organ is surrounded in a boundary, you know? Right. 
the the veins and the the vessels are boundaries for the blood. I mean, there's there's something intelligent in the boundaries. <laughs> mm. um, but of course, you know, if we didn't grow up in healthy households where boundaries were really supported, and you know, there was a real strong hierarchical structure and you bloody well had to do what your parents said you had to do and you didn't get to actually have a boundary in the matter, you know. Um, or even worse than that, boundaries were being um, invaded all the time um, and you're a kid and you couldn't stand up for yourself. Well, then it takes a lot of work to develop those as an adult. And I think that's a work of a lifetime. I mean, some people I know just seem to have that naturally, and I have no idea how they do it. <laughs> it's something I am constantly working on. Yeah. It is not easy for me. Yeah. Hmm. Like I'm this like open, you know, naturally more boundaryless lover. But over and over again, I've seen when I haven't had clear boundaries, I end up getting to a point where all that softness and that warmth and all that giving and all that loving that also had some other things in the background, you know, like maybe some resentment or not caring for myself enough or so on and so forth. When I finally reach a point where I can't handle it anymore, then I'm so unkind. Yeah. And it's very painful to see that. It's painful to see that impact on others when that's not how I like to hold myself. Like mm. that's humbling. Mm, that's right. so humbling to have right. an identity of self and realize that your actions are actually not in alignment with that value or identity. Yeah. That's fucking humbling. It is. It is. Yeah. That's Ugh. you put words to actually my exploration too around that. Yeah. And there, when you said, oh, like there is that part that comes out, ah, and that there's so much excitement behind that oh, too, because like it's a knowing that I'm not going to fall asleep on. You know, mm -hmm. I want to keep understanding it, not an aspect of uh, master it, but that it's it's my practice now yeah. more than, and practice to me is just, you just do it. It's not about getting it done and then going on to the next thing. So No, you have to keep going to the map. Yep, over, over and over and again. over and yeah. over again. But what helps is um, we were just doing this exercise. We just had a, a circling immersion this weekend and it was just, it's always so wonderful. But we were, I was teaching this concept in circling. One of the stages of circling is called warrior. And essentially warrior is when, when you're in a circle with a group of people and you're giving attention to one person, you start off by like getting their world and asking them questions and like really trying to understand how their experience makes sense. And then there's this point where they, they show up and there's some kind of dissonance. They either say something, but you get a different energy. Like they say they're happy, but they look really like tense or, or there is something between people that feels dissonant. Mm -hmm. We call that, and we name it, we call it out because what ends up happening is these unconscious ways of being are actually wanting to be revealed, the parts that we don't want people to see. So that was a little bit of an aside to tell you about, we were talking about these warrior moments in our life. Like when was there a time when you had to hold the sense of warrior 
and AKA like a boundary with somebody and, and what came from that. And in my own experience, I've looked, I've had enough experiences to look back where it was so scary for me to hold some kind of line and watch the person I'm holding the line with, who I've been like prior to that really enabling and hold the line and watch them find their way. And I can tell you that there's been at least, like there's been enough of those experiences to see that if I don't hold that line, I'm actually robbing that person of their own innate intelligence. And I can't even, like again, talk about humbling, who am I to think that I know that they can or cannot do something? There's a real self-righteousness in that. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Like this is, a, I, I'm, I've been seeing this a lot, you know? So back to the boundaries thing, sometimes holding a boundary is the most beautiful, loving thing that you can do, even if it goes against your natural instinct. It feels painful for me sometimes yeah. to do that. It really does. It's like, it feels almost against my physical, like it's almost physically painful. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all this. Yeah, yeah this was juicy. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Anything up in your world that you want people to know about before we end? Um, well, just continuing to do really lovely one-on-one work and working with couples. Um, I love to do that work. I can work, you know, with people all over the country. Um, and then I continue to offer the practice of circling so people can get a hold of me if they want to know more about that. And I do that mostly here locally in Asheville. Um, but I'm very happy to travel and lead groups in circling or, you know, I'm doing, um, some authentic relating exercises for a wedding coming up Mm. to help you know, give people more of a connected experience. So I I love to do things like that. And I love to get invited to places to lead things like that. So that's about it. And again, people can contact you through? Through my website. So kathycourtney.com. Great. We'll have uh, the link in the show notes for them too. Thank you, Prepo. Cool. Yeah, so nice to talk to you. Always. It's been a little too long. We got to do a little more often. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks, Kat. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Relationships. Let's talk about it. Is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more about licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit prepo.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling or therapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Thank you.